You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Welcome to Awakened Church. We're so glad you're here with us today. I want to thank our senior pastors, Jurgen and Leanne, for asking me to bring this word to you today. I'm so grateful to be in your church under your leadership. Through your example, God has come alive in my life, and my life has come alive in God. And that's what I want to share with you today. So come with me in your Bible to the book of Genesis. It's not hard to find. It's at the very beginning of the Bible. And Genesis starts off in the beginning. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. He created night and day. He separated the waters above from the waters below, the heavens from the earth, the seas from the land, and he creates everything. And it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And it gets all the way to the sixth day. Genesis 1:26. then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And you can skip down to Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God calls out the evening and the morning as a day. We usually think of day going from morning to evening, but God sees things going from darkness to light, not from light to darkness. Earth in its fallen state lives by a godless perception that life moves from light to dark, from day to night, from health to disease, from life to death, from young and vibrant to old and feeble, but God sees us in this fallen world with Christ as our Savior moving from darkness to light, from disease to healed, from death to light, from bound to free, from struggle to victory, from death to everlasting life. I think it's the enemy that's convinced us that things are in a perpetual state of decay and we're somehow helpless against it. But God says, no, I'm going into that darkness with my light. And in my light, there can be no darkness. We'll come back to that later. So Genesis 2, 7 gives us a little bit more detail about God creating Adam. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. In Genesis 1, all of the things that God spoke into creation were good, but only man who God formed with his hands was called out as being very good. All of the things that were just good were spoken. God spoke and matter responded, forming all of those things that God spoke into creation. Dark matter and light particles heard God's word and responded and God saw those things and said, hey, that's pretty good. But the thing that was very good was touched. God touched the earth. God formed the man out of the earth. And when he saw man, the pinnacle of his creation, he said, wow, that's very good. That's great. You know, great creativity requires touch. 
You cannot create a great thing from a distance. You have to touch it. And to create us, God touched the dirt. A little bit further on in Genesis, the serpent deceives the man and the woman and causes them to sin. And God cursed the dirt from where Adam came. God says to Adam in Genesis 3.19, for out of the dirt you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you shall return. Or roughly translated, man, Adam, without me, you were just dirt. You had a history, but you didn't have a destiny. I took that crumbled history of your past and I formed something extraordinary, something great, something very good. I took that dirt and I made it in my image. In Genesis 3.14, God cast the serpent down to the earth and says, on your belly, you shall go and you shall eat dust all of the days of your life. So for the rest of your life, all of your descendants are gonna squirm around on their bellies in the dirt. They're just gonna see dirt. They're gonna eat dirt. They're gonna breathe dirt. They're going to be in the dirt. This is a great insight into the enemy's perspective of the world. The world defines you by your history. That's all the world can do. It doesn't have vision. Its vision is skewed. It just sees decay. It sees dirt, light becoming darkness, day becoming night. Because of your history, you can't do this. Because of your history, you can't do that. Because of your dirt, you're limited. You can find all about your history on 23andMe, but to find your destiny, you have to go to God. And in a moment, with one touch, God can take your history, no matter how dirty it is, and transform it to reveal your destiny. So my message today is called, Touch the Dirt. I believe because God touched us, it put a deep need, a deep longing in us to be touched again. Some of us try to quiet that longing with the wrong kind of touch, and touch is so powerful. One touch of evil can ruin a person's life, but one touch from God can restore, unlock, and free us, launch us into a destiny greater than anything we could imagine for ourselves, a destiny much greater than our history. You know, from an early age, when we get hurt, the first thing we want to do is touch it. Sometimes people are so stuck in their hurt that it becomes their identity and they just want to keep touching the hurt. But if they're touching it with dirt, it doesn't get better, it gets infected. Some of us believe that in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, we needed to hide the dirt, we needed to clean up the dirt, get rid of the dirt. But it's in the dirt that God does his very best work. He uses the dirt, he touches the dirt, he forms the dirt into something very good. We don't need to clean up the dirt. In fact, we can't clean up the dirt. We just have to give it to God. And the foot of the cross is a place of exchange. I bring my dirt to the cross and God resurrects that dirt into something very good. There's promise after promise in the Bible that what the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. He says he'll restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He'll give us beauty for our ashes. He'll give us joy in our mourning. In Revelation 12, 11, at the end of the Bible, he shows us that he actually uses our transformed dirt to defeat the accuser, to defeat the enemy once and for all. The enemy, the accuser, was cast down by the blood of the lamb, the power of the sacrifice of God's best, and by the spoken word of our testimonies, the power of the redemption of our worst. All the enemy sees is dirt. He eats, breathes, and sleeps dirt. That's been his destiny since the fall. No wonder he spends all of his time slinging dirt. 
accusing us of being dirt. That's all he sees, that's all he knows. And you know, there's some in this world that are so blinded by the world, so identified with the world, that all they can see is the dirt, no matter how it's formed. There are people that look at great art and they don't see it. It's not the art that's the problem, the problem is that they're blind. And it's amazing that Jesus healed the blind man with dirt that he touched. Jesus took dirt and he spat in it. He took the water from his lips and mixed it with the dirt and he rubbed it in the blind man's eye. And in doing that, he gave him sight. When God touches dirt, God doesn't become dirty. The dirt becomes holy. There's some bad theology that Jesus just hung out with prostitutes, drunks, and swindlers. The Pharisees even accused Jesus of being a drunk and a glutton himself. Absolutely, Jesus went into the dark places. His ministry was not for the righteous, but to bring the broken back to God. He met people where they were. He went and ate at the house of a tax collector with prostitutes and all kinds of sinners around. The Pharisees were shocked. They just saw the dirt. They saw the history of the place and the people. But Jesus knew their destiny. He didn't meet them there in that place to become infected by the dirt of that atmosphere. He met them where they were, but he didn't leave them where they were. When the presence of God comes into the dirt, God's not the one that becomes dirty. The dirt is what becomes holy. You know the story of the good shepherd in Luke 3. The good shepherd didn't leave the 99 to go after the one to go chill with that sheep in the wilderness. The good shepherd goes after the one, throws it over his shoulder, and brings it back home. It's when the sheep gets home that there's a celebration. You know, the apostle Matthew was a tax collector. He was a swindler, but he didn't stay a tax collector. Jesus didn't chill with Matthew as he stole from God's people. He didn't hang out with him to encourage Matthew in his sin. He encountered Matthew where he was and then transformed his life. Matthew's gospel is the first gospel in the New Testament, and it starts off with a genealogy. Why don't you come with me in your Bible to Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And as you skip down to Matthew 1.14, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, to whom Christ was born. So in that genealogy, there's some dirt that's called out. There's some unusual circumstances, like Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Well, Tamar was married to Judah's oldest son, Ur. But Ur was evil in God's eyes, and Ur's evil was compared to Sodom's. Biblical scholars believe that Ur was engaging in all kinds of sexual perversion, so God struck him down. Then Ohan, who was Judas's second son by Jewish law, was supposed to give Tamar a child to receive Ur's inheritance. But Ohan was greedy, and he wanted Ur's inheritance for himself. So he married Tamar, and he slept with Tamar, but he didn't want to give her a child, so every time he slept with her, he intentionally spilled his seed on the ground. So Ohan was struck down for being evil in God's eyes. Then Tamar tricked her father-in-law Judah into sleeping with her by dressing like a prostitute and hanging out by the gates of Jerusalem. She seduced Judah, 
and finally got pregnant by her father-in-law with twins. That's some dirt. Can you say they got some dirt? Well, Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab, who was an actual prostitute, dirt. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She was a widow, a foreigner. She had a background. She was an immigrant of a tribe that was hated by the Jews. She had some dirt. Then Jesse begot David. Well, sort of. Jesse's wife begot David. But Jesse's grandmother was Ruth, the Moabite. And Jesse was a Torah scholar. And he realized his grandmother, Ruth, was a Moabite. And after having six sons with his wife who still wanted more children, Jesse got caught up in Torah law because there was this gray area about Moabite women marrying Jewish men. Jewish women were forbidden from marrying Moabite men because of the tribe's history, but Jewish women marrying Moabite women was kind of this religious gray area. So anyway, Hebrew scholars believe Jesse didn't want to continue violating Torah law if he wasn't a real Jew, so he stopped sleeping with his wife, and then she ended up sleeping with her maid's husband and got pregnant and had David. When the, pregnant Sam, when the prophet Samuel went to the house of Jesse to look for the son of God, or the son of Jesse that God said was going to be the king of Israel, David's brothers had sent David, who they hated, to a dangerous wilderness area to watch sheep, hoping that David would get killed by a lion or a bear. Jesse raised David as his son, even though he knew he wasn't. Nizabet, David's mom, never said anything, and David's brothers all hated him for it, and the family banished David, the object of their shame, to the wilderness. Whew, that's some dirt. Can you say they got some dirt? Then David, who came through adultery, repeated the pattern and begot Solomon by Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the wife of a, a man in David's army, and David slept with Bathsheba while her husband was out at war. Bathsheba got pregnant, and when David found out she was pregnant, he tried to trick her husband into sleeping with her so he wouldn't be found out as the father of the child. But when Uriah refused, David had him killed. So the king of Israel, who committed adultery with the wife of his friend, who was a really good guy, then had him, his friend killed to cover up the crime. Can you say they really got some dirt? And then finally... Joseph begot Jesus, who was the Messiah, God in the flesh, by Mary, who was a teenage virgin. Joseph and Mary were engaged, but they weren't married. So Joseph hadn't slept with her, and he was going to hide her so that the people didn't judge her. He wanted to hide her dirt. But then an angel came and said, don't worry, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph chilled out, but the people in the small town didn't buy the whole angelic visitation thing. And you can see it in Mark 6, 3, when Jesus came and preached at the temple in his hometown, the people said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? In ancient times, it was always son of the father. So if people called you son of the mother, it was because you didn't have a dad, because they saw you as an illegitimate child. The people didn't just think that Ill Jesus was an illegitimate prophet, an illegitimate rabbi, they thought he wasn't even a legitimate human being. Can you say that is some dirt? So this messy, complicated, dirty story is the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew had a dirty past and God used Matthew to tell the story of God choosing to come into a dirty bloodline in a dirty world in the beginning of the Bible. In the Old Testament, God reached down into the dirt and pulled out some dirt 
and formed man, his greatest creation, the one that he called very good. And then in the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew, God reaches down into the dirt of human history and pulls out himself. Matthew was dirty, but God used Matthew to reveal God's best. That God can be, that the best that God has can be born out of the dirtiest situations. The enemy doesn't understand it. He didn't come from the dirt. He came from heaven and was cast down to the dirt. And that's a hard fall when you think you're from heaven and you find yourself in the dirt. You can get offended. Life didn't come into the serpent in the dirt. He wasn't touched by God, not like man. He was created by God's word, not by God's hand. And you can see this in Genesis 3, the way the serpent talked about God. The word he uses for God is Elohim. Elohim means God's power. It's a positional word. It's a generic word. It just means God. And it speaks of the power of God's position. And the power that spoke creation into existence, that spoke the serpent into existence. But when God touched the dirt in Genesis 3, God's name in the Bible changes to Lord God. Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh is God's name, not God's title. It's relational, not positional. The man and the woman didn't just know who God was, they actually knew God. They knew him as their father. The serpent never had a relationship with God, he only knew God's power, God's position, and he resented God for that. The serpent didn't call God Yahweh Elohim when he said to the woman, did God really say? He just called God Elohim. The serpent was hungry for power, not for relationship. He was blinded by the power of God's word. And you know, God's word is very powerful. It never returns void. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's creative. It made everything. But the best thing that God created was us. And we weren't formed just by an order, by his word. We were actually touched by his hand. We weren't just created to be powerful. We were created for relationship. God didn't send his word to create us. He formed us. He touched us. He came face to face and breathed his life into us. Life came into our bodies in an intimate way through a father's kiss. The lips of God touched the dirt of the world to give us life. God's word brings structure, but God forms Life, life is, requires a touch by God. God didn't wait for the dirt to reach up to heaven. He came from heaven to touch the dirt. If I wanna connect with my son, I can't wait for him to climb up to me, being mad because he can't reach high enough yet. He's two and he's three feet tall. I have to reach down to pick him up. I have to touch him so we can meet face to face. In Matthew 8, 1, right after Jesus preached his greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, he came down off the mountain. And when he came, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him and behold, a leopard came and worshiped him saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched the leper saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. I came to God with a lot of dirt. 
Like David, I was born out of adultery. Like Jesus, I was adopted. Like Ruth, I was an immigrant. Like Ur, I practiced perversion, practiced evil in God's eyes. Like Matthew, I was dishonest. Like Saul, I hated Christians. I was the man that Solomon warned against in Proverbs 3. I was wise in my own eyes. I had fallen into addictions trying to manage my emotions with drugs and alcohol. I'd been a porn addict, a sex addict. I slept with women and men. I had an eating disorder. And all of that was really just me trying really hard to have a happy and successful life on my own power, with my own best ideas, without God. And I failed. But I heard the gospel preached. I heard that I couldn't wash away the dirt on my own. I wasn't even supposed to try to deal with it on my own. But if I brought my dirt to God and let him love me, let him touch me, if I laid my dirt down at the foot of the cross, God had already come down from heaven and had been sacrificed as a payment for all my dirt. And through that sacrifice, God was able to take my dirt and resurrect it into new life. God took the crumbled history of my past and formed something extraordinary, something great, something very good. I have an incredible life today. I have the best, most beautiful wife in the world. I have two bright, loving, creative, beautiful children. I own a business that I love. I'm surrounded by friends and family that I love. I don't have secrets. And I have friends all around me that tell me that I make a difference in their lives. I lead the Awaken Recovery Ministry here at Awaken Church, and we have a workshop on Thursday nights. If you need to get some dirt transformed, that is the place. If you're watching today and you feel far away from God, whether you're stuck in the dirt or just feel distance from God and from community, and if something in this message touched you, whether you've known him before or have never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me today. As you're watching, you can just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you so loved me that you sent Jesus Christ, your only son, on a rescue mission into the dirt of this world to save my life because I'm that powerful, I'm that valuable to you. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I thank you that your death on the cross has wiped away all of my sin all of my dirt. Today, I declare that I am forgiven, clean, washed, brand new, and born again. I declare that heaven is my home and God is my father. And I ask you today to deliver me from dead religion, bring me into a gospel of power, a gospel of love, a gospel of life, and a gospel of transformation. And God, help me to find my tribe here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to send you a gift and get you connected to community and equip you in this new life with God. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.